linked it down Mipped to that. Yeah. Um, Mipped and peeved. Mipped and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real word. I don't use it. It's not in your vocabulary. Down to dunk. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Right. No. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleck, for part of CLNS Media, also DailyThunder.com, and we're featured on Dash Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, I mean, we we have a very, very interesting week, week ahead. Yep. Uh, four games, a lot to discuss. Four games in which this could be one of the more important stretches for the Thunder for the rest of the season because they're all winnable games and w- winnable in that these teams do not rate very high against other NBA teams, but against the Thunder, it's been a different story for almost all these teams, right? I mean, Orlando, Dallas, <laughs> Phoenix, and Portland. Like, the Thunder haven't played well against those teams this season. And, you know, here's their chance. Like, they they got blown you got the the doors blown off in Golden State, which, you know, I don't know if that's, I don't know if there will be anything good to come of it, but it may, like, make them realize, like, oh, like we're maybe not as good as we think we are, kind of thing, uh, just because they got absolutely destroyed on both ends, and so maybe I mean they just have to kick it into gear because right now I think they're eighth or tied for seventh or something i don't i need to look at the standings but they're it's not good and if and if they drop if they go two and two that could be detrimental they they can be out yeah 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 they just can't they cannot screw around this week so they're seventh right now and they're only a half game up on the eighth place denver nuggets and then they're only a game and a half back of the ninth ranked team, the LA Clippers. And so, but then they're also only two games behind the Spurs for three. And so we know that this is a tight race and that this it's not going to be determined this week what happens, but it's incredibly important that they, from here on out, beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And they have a lot of those teams coming up. Orlando, Dallas, Phoenix, Portland. Then they get Houston on the 6th of March. But then they get Phoenix again. They get San Antonio. And then they get Sacramento, Atlanta, Clippers. They've got to beat those three teams that week. You know, they have winnable games coming up. But then the schedule gets tougher. Like they play Toronto and they play Boston. Then they have to play Miami and Portland and San Antonio and Denver. Like they, they can lose some of those games just because they're going to. Like, it's just going to happen. Like, they're going to lose games. Like, they're going to lose a back-to-back in Denver, probably. Against Denver, probably. But they can't lose these games where the games are, especially these first two, they're spaced out. Orlando, Dallas. Dallas, the travel is is nothing. Like, you have mm-hmm. to you have to win those games. You just have to. Yeah, I, I think you're you're right. Um, a lot of the season will, 
will be decided by, by how the OKC will play in the next two weeks, I, I think. Because, as you said, they have a ton of winnable games, and they should really play as they did in the first quarter uh, against Sacramento. Mm-hmm. They have the, all the tools to do it. Um, I think that the game in Golden State was weird because OKC was um, totally dry in terms of um, uh, shooting. They they, yeah. they generate reasonably good shots. They played probably uh, well a, a good rotation if you if you sum them up because um, you. See Played a lot, uh, no Ferguson until the, the fourth quarter where the game was already lost. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you, you don't get George uh, every night with the, the, those kind of percentage, you don't get Russ with those kinds uh, of percentage. But in some sense, it's hard to see them um, play like that uh, because you, you want uh, the best when they play against great teams. But Overall, I mean, if you, if you look at the three-game stretch against Golden State, two games were perfectly the, the opposite. I mean, Golden State didn't play their way, and so it was natural that uh, in Golden State, um, the third game of the series uh, could have been something like that. So I'm not worried. Uh, I really want to see that how they turn the, how they turn uh, the gear tonight in uh, against Orlando because that this game is very very important uh, for me and like. They, they can destroy them if they want to. Yeah, they should win by forty against Orlando. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they if they really want to show up and show to the rest of the league that uh, the game against Golden State was an aberration in terms of shooting, and that they really want to uh, get it together after also game. And so this week is crucial, as you said, um, and I hope that we see the right kind of basketball. Yeah, and. We can touch a little bit more on the Golden State game. I mean, Paul George was particularly terrible uh, in that game. Russ missed layups at the rim. He he would get all the way to the rim and then just miss. Uh, there's and this storyline has probably dominated the game is the whole Zaza Pachulia incident where he falls over on Russell. What what are your thoughts on on that incident? Well, uh, it's it's hard to to determine whether Pachulia was actually trying to fall on Westbrook. Uh, that that I I don't want to go that far. What I'm kind of sure of is that even if you lose your balance and you are falling, there are ways to like to prevent a contact in sensible areas. So mm-hmm. to to go down directly on the knee. Uh, without restraining yourself, without trying to avoid Russell, without trying to uh, to put your body in a, in a way that the impact is minimal. This is something that Pachulia does. I mean, he doesn't care uh, whether it hurts people or not. Uh, I'm not saying he does it on purpose, but it, it doesn't pay attention of, on too much on, on what he's doing. And so um, I think that this kind of player, of player are really, really dangerous because you... you like say that Russ hurt his knee, you can end his career because he had already injuries on, on mm-hmm. that knee. So I'm not sure how the league could handle uh, a thing like that. I'm not sure there is a way uh, to do it because you can find a player for falling, uh, or you can you cannot like suspend him for falling. Uh, uh, but it, but is nevertheless it is very very important that players realize how dangerous it is to to do such things. 
Yeah, I think I think you're right. I don't know that the league can do anything about it. And maybe the only thing that would make it so they would do it is his reputation. Is that he has hurt star players in the past. I mean, and I know this isn't all on Zaza, but Kawhi Leonard has basically not played since that injury that that Zaza caused him in last year's playoffs. Like he's played, I think, seven or eight games, and. You know, like that's a big deal for the Spurs, and I know that not all of that was Zaza, but he started all of that, and it's just, it's just infuriating to see a guy like that um, fall and not, like you said, not try to like brace himself or catch himself or anything. Like he just falls just straight over, seemingly for no reason, and like, Russell's foot like barely touches him, and for a mm-hmm. big seven footer. That, it, that should have not tripped him like that. And so it's hard to not, especially through the eyes of a th- as a Thunder fan, it's hard to not look at that and say, looks like he did that on purpose. And he it looks like he's trying to give Golden State yet another advantage <laughs> by yeah. hurting somebody, which is just, there should be, there's no place in the NBA for that. There's just none, especially whenever you're on such a stacked team like Golden State. You know, that was on full display the other night. Um, uh, it was it was just maddening. Uh, I want to give a few stats, a few terrifying mm-hmm. stats, McKelly. Over the last 10 games, the Thunder are 4-6. and six. They're 23rd in net rating in that span at a negative 3.8. Their defensive rating is a 109, and their offensive rating is a 106. And they rank, like, in the 20s in both categories. No, 17th in offense and, like, 22nd in defense over the last 10 games. And that's pretty terrifying when you take a look at the whole season. Uh, obviously, the Thunder look a lot better still, but the, it's their 8th in net rating and... I think that they're still top 10 and yeah, they're eighth in defense. And then they fell out of the top 10 in offense or 12th in offense. Uh, I thought that things are supposed to get better offensively with Andre Robertson gone because the dude can't shoot. What is going on? Well, uh, I mean, I made like a little game on Twitter on, I think it was on Saturday or mm-hmm. Sunday. I, I don't really remember. I'm starting to confuse days. Uh, and I basically took all the lineups with um, Ferguson, Melo, uh, and uh, and was Felton, and with Robertson out. So any lineup that features one of the players uh, that I just mentioned, so Anthony Ferguson or Felton, and Robertson definitely out of the court. And the numbers for those lineups are dreadful. Like, I have it here, so it's minus 3.2 overall but if you if you sum all the lineup with all the, the three players that I mentioned it is it is terrible um, like minus 20 minus like the numbers are are incredibly bad and so you wonder well for Ferguson we already discussed it many times uh, that I think it's not ready he's not ready um, the development of should should at least be uh, reduced in terms of, uh, of uh, playing time. I, I get that against Sacramento, you think you can afford to have Ferguson out there for five to, to like 
five to ten minutes, but mm-hmm. it's not the case. And with team, you need to be you, with this team. You need to be the flow. For the other two guys, so Melo and uh, and Felton, I think their defense, uh, the defense approach, has changed over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, I think that they need to 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 be uh, more active on that end because. Yeah. A lot of a lot of it is uh, they are not going to, to to put effort the effort that you that you want every night. And so, if you sum up the fact that Russ uh, takes possessions off uh, on the defensive side, then you, you have your, your your answer. And from the offensive point of view, I think that one of the causes can be. I mean, you lost a guy that provided you a lot of offensive rebounds, a lot of a lot of cuts. A lot of uh, movement overall mm-hmm. in under option, and this is detrimental for the team because if you remember how OKC started to play in in December and ge- early January with uh, for, uh, Robertson on the court, was Melo was not uh, holding the ball; he was looking for cuts. Now there are no almost no uh, players that are able to do a timed cut on the, on the on either um, the center or on the baseline. Uh, and so, I mean, Melo is sticking with the ball in his hand, or if you, if you are very lucky, he will shoot it right away from free. And so, if you take away that element, um, I think that as an offense, you, you need to rethink some of your uh, the way that you play, and that that is part of the reason why uh, OKC struggle in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you look at the last ten games, the on-off numbers are are pretty interesting. Uh, Paul George is a plus 3.7 when he's on the court, a minus 29.3 when he's off in that 10-game span. Steven Adams is pretty similar, 3.2, and then a minus 21.4 when Steven Adams is off the court. The next best guy, can you guess who it is? Eustace. It is. It's Josh Eustace. He's a plus 6.9. Best on the team whenever he's on the court a minus 8.7 with him off. And our guy, Terrence Ferguson, goodness. He is a minus 38.3 in those 10 games. And then a plus 3.4 when he's off the court. And we talked about this. I feel nauseous talking about it because we have to say it all the time. They just can't play him. Like you just Mm -hmm. flat out, you just cannot do it. In this stretch where winning games is so important, you screw around in Sacramento playing him a ton of minutes, and he absolutely kills you on the defensive end. I mean, he is a uh, his defensive rating when he's out there for this, these 10 games, 119. 119. Like, that is just unacceptable. And people are like, well, Alex Sabrina's probably isn't any better. He's a 109. That's 10 points yeah. better. And, you know, Alex Sabrina's is not have a positive net rating, but it's a negative 5.6, you know, over that span. It's not negative 43.5. You know, it's, there's a huge gap between those two, but there's not really a huge gap in those two when it comes to role on the team. And I just continue to not understand it. I just do not get it. I feel like Alex has played pretty well. He played, he was, he was a positive plus, he had a positive plus minus when he played in Sacramento, but they didn't hardly give him any minutes and they gave all the minutes to Terrence and he was a minus 30. Like you just can't, you can't survive those things night after night. You're, they relied on luck. Basically they got lucky that the Sacramento Kings got tired at the end of that game and couldn't make any shots. 
I, I like the word tired. I think they, they, they <laughs> did it on purpose. I mean, uh, like Malo- yeah, yeah, that could like be Jager true. W- was was taking out players that were actually hitting shot in body healed mm-hmm. to putting in like a forty one year old years old that was Vince Carter, yeah, uh, yeah, Vince Carter basically decided to to, to lose it by <laughs> by shooting the ball with with a lot of seconds on the clock uh, from mid court. So and and like to to your point, I mean, I I finally find the the, the simulation I did on cleaning the glass. If you take away. Robertson, Felton, and Ferguson. Uh, OKC is uh, plus ten point seven net rating hmm. in a thousand and like thirteen hundred possessions. So a lot of sample here. And if you take away Melo as well, you have three hundred and change possessions. Can you guess the net rating? Oh, so any any lineup without Robertson, Melo, Felton, or Ferguson. And you take, oh man, I don't know. You got to tell me. Plus 29.7. Oh my goodness. It's 121 offensive, 91.7 defensively. Wow. So, I mean, I'm not saying that OKC is better off uh, playing without Felton, without Anthony. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, sh- I'm sure that Ferguson is not going to, to he, should, he shouldn't play. Um because, for example, if you put on the court Melo and Felton together, um, let me just do it. Uh, it is a positive lineup for sure. I don't just remember the number. And you still take out Ferguson and Robertson. Those lineups actually has a positive plus 7.3. Hmm. So it's it's not just the way the, the, the player you, you put on the, the court. It's how. And I think that Billy has struggled to find a consistent rotation that brings the best out of this team. Yeah. And I know that you want to, to, to play around with it a lot because in the postseason, you don't have uh, an edge roster-wise. You need to find an edge uh, in terms of tinkering, tinkering with your rotations. Mm-hmm. And so we will have the final say in the postseason, but so far, some numbers doesn't make sense. Uh, and so I, I wonder if they... We'll figure it out in the last twenty games. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, something I thought Billy did okay at, during the Golden State game with rotations. I kind of liked what he was doing. Um, they they just have to stagger Russ and Paul continually and play Paul and Adams together because with the on off numbers for Paul in the last ten games is when he's on the court, uh, the Thunder are. A, are 113.8 when he's off 79 and then Russell like they can't score without Russell either uh 111.5 and then 96.3 I mean they just can't score without those guys on the court I'd like to thank Andy's frozen custard for sponsoring today's show if you haven't been Andy's I don't know what you're doing because it is amazing they have locations in Oklahoma Texas Kansas Colorado Arizona Missouri Arkansas it's an amazing, an amazing establishment. Go today. They have, they're, they're just speaking my language right now because they've got this mint cookie concrete that is just to die for. I love, I love some mint. I love, uh, some thin mint cookies. And, uh, this brings it all together with the most delicious custard that you will ever have. So they make their frozen custard fresh hour by hour you can watch it being made through the window i take my kids there all the time hold them up and they love to see the custard being made 
it's just unbelievable. So if you haven't gone yet, you should go. Not only because the custard is good, but to support the people that support Down to Dunk and eat at Andy's Frozen Custard. They've got to figure out a way to keep those guys there. Uh, I feel like Paul George and Steven Adams have developed a pretty good chemistry together. And if you pull Steven early, you can put in Jeremy Grant and let him play. The numbers continue to tell me that Jeremy Grant is not any good, um, yep. which is concerning. Um, <laughs> but also, the Thunder have this guy named Patrick Patterson on their team. I don't know if they've heard of him. Uh, I don't understand why why Patterson doesn't play more because you look at like Josh Hustis has been really has been a good player in these last 10 games when he's on the court they have a defensive rating of 98.7 and then the next best one um, and then Patterson has been pretty good too on that end when he's off the court they're 112.7 when he's on 105.8 I mean I just don't understand the lack of minutes and love for Patrick Patterson can I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe they don't think they can play him at center, which then I understand because you have to play mellow and there's just not a lot of minutes for him. But I just feel like they need to be able to get more minutes out of Patterson. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I think that one of the, the, the issues there is you want to give Paul the first quarter. Uh, that is something that, yeah. uh, mm, I mean, I'm sure like the defense would know by now that he really likes to play as much as he can in the first quarter. Um, for some reason, uh, part is actually a reasonable part to me is not. You don't want to play Melo uh, alone uh, with the second unit mm-hmm. because you, you you are worried that he will uh, go back to isolation, heavy ISO uh, way of playing. Uh, and so it's hard to, to, to stagger. Uh, players, if you have that kind of um, uh, rotation. But as you said, one way could be uh, you play, um, it's about Russ and Melo early, like around the six, seven minute mark in the first quarter, and then you, you take in Adams and, and George. Yeah. Then you sub them out together uh, at the beginning of the second, and you roll with uh, Russ and, and Melo. Mm-hmm. I think that you're right. If you can stagger. Um, at least uh, a bit those two couples then every data I have it's good because if you have um, George and Adams you have a positive net rating if you have Melo and Russ you have a positive net rating so you can you can try to to see if that works and I think that Billy is going towards this uh, at least in some games and so maybe we'll see that uh, in the coming week yeah, I think that would make a ton of sense. Uh, I, I don't know if Billy will go with anything consistent. Until, well, he, I just don't think he will. I mean, he there's just very little evidence to say that he sticks with a certain lineup or sticks with certain players off the bench. You know, he should just basically be playing Grant, Felton, Abrinas, and Patterson off the yeah. bench. Like, that should be it. Like, play those nine guys. That's it. Because the other guys that are there, Ferguson and then like Nick Collison, Dakari, Kyle Singler, Daniel Hamilton, like those guys are unplayable. Like you just cannot put them on the court. And, you know, it's it's inexcusable to me to play Ferguson anymore. And I just need to hammer that point home for whatever reason today. Like you just like they they see the numbers like Billy, Sam. 
They see the numbers. There's no question that they know these numbers and knew them before we did. And it just becomes even more of a mystery to me as to why they continue to do it. And, you know, their quote unquote developmental minutes for him. You, I don't, I don't think you should be developing him for anything right now, except for the seasons to come in which you just play him in the D or in the G league, play him in the G league. You know, I just don't, I think that it's detrimental to this team and, you know, play Abrinas more. And, you know, we can talk a little bit about buyout guys before we move on to the next segment. Um, but they need to. They probably need to sign somebody, and <clears throat> maybe signing a Tony Allen wouldn't be the greatest thing in the world. But it may keep them from playing Terrence Ferguson, and maybe that's where like his value is, <laughs> which is kind of sad. Um, but it would limit. It would definitely, if he wants a ten man rotation, go go get the tenth guy. Tony Allen can probably be your tenth guy, and play you know five to ten minutes a game. Fine great and then maybe you know come in if you play houston or somebody like that play a little bit more but um they need to go find that 10th guy i don't care who it is at this point because it's it's going to be tough to find somebody that's as detrimental to this team as ferguson is right now yeah or maybe finally Bila will decide to not play him uh, as, as, as you said i'm i'm not convinced entirely that that will be the case mm-hmm. but yeah i mean a, a 10th a tenth man will be good. Uh, it seems that Philadelphia is signing everyone. So right. there's <laughs> also Ilyasova. It seems to be headed in Philly. Yeah, um, which is that, which is good. Like I don't think that he fit with the Thunder. Do you agree? No, with that? no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. sure. Uh, it, uh, well, one way that you want to do, that you may want to have uh, a floor spacer. Uh, even if he's a big, is that you are sold to have Jeremy Grant as your starting small forward. Hmm. Then it may have kind of a bit of sense to have Ilyasova, at least for the regular season. But yeah. I mean, because he can stretch the floor, and so you can you can maybe then sub out Grant as the first sub and playing um, Ilyasova with, with Melo. Yeah. But then you can think, why don't you do it with Patterson? Yeah, that's what and, I was going to say. Is, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. I, mm-hmm. I as, as I said many times, I don't know why he's playing this way. Yeah. There's, to me, there's no reason. And all the evidence, if you if you sub um, Patterson in for Melo, like, and you, you, you look at the starting lineup with uh, Patterson instead of Melo, those numbers are great. Like, very, very good numbers. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, this is not the way Billy has decided to go with the rotations. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 very odd. Uh, so to be clear about buyout guys, they just have to be bought out before midnight on March 1st to qualify for the playoffs. It's not that they have to be signed by that day. They just have to be bought out and you know ready to be on the market. And so the Thunder don't have to sign somebody by March 1st. They can wait till after that, and the longer they wait, the more money they save. And so I think that it'll probably end up being Tony Allen, but I think that they're also waiting to see if something weird happens. Like, does something weird happen with the Lakers or any of these tanking teams? Do they buy out some kind of guard or wing? Uh, That's unexpected. And so I think the Thunder are are waiting around to see what their options are. 
um, because I don't think anybody is you know jumping at Tony Allen at this point, and I think that Tony Allen would probably only want to go to a very specific situation where he can play a little bit on a contending to quasi contending team, and so that's probably why the Thunder haven't gotten anybody yet. I think that they also want to get a little bit longer look at some of the guys they have on their team. And so uh, I think that's the holdup on it. And I think that they will sign somebody. I'd be pretty shocked if they didn't you know, fill that roster spot uh, just because they do need somebody. Like they just need somebody. And so we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens over this next week. And, you know, I, I would guess that something will be settled, you know, by the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but they may wait a little bit longer, maybe to save some extra cash. Yeah, yeah, that, that can be the case. Do you want to get really depressed? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, but sure. <laughs> uh, I guess the net rating of a lineup that features Patterson, George, Westbrook, and Adams. Oh, Although this is really small sample size. Plus 40. 34.3. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and that was supposed that that could have been the team, you know. Yeah, and you know, yeah. and it should be still. Like, why can't we do it? Tell me yeah. why. Why can't they do I mean, that? If but, you want to, to let George play the entire first quarter, mm-hmm. that it makes too much sense to sub Melo out first and bring in Patterson. Play three minutes that way, and then you sub out Adams and you put Grant, and that lineup is still have a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um. And it, I, I don't know. I mean, well, I just, it, it's it's Billy's love for Jeremy Grant that has gotten in the way. Play him, play him a lot. Just give Patterson a few minutes. Oh, I with, agree with Adams. Yeah, yeah. They 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 need to because I mean, look, just go back and watch that second Golden State team or second Golden State game where he played those minutes. And the defense was great. Big yes. surprise. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, all right. Let's, uh, you have some games, yes? Yes, uh, I have a game well, that, that features two sub-games. Uh, the game is called Fun with Stats. And the first one that I will do is top three. So I'll give you uh, a weird stat of uh, OKC. And you give me uh, the top three uh, or bottom three, um, depending on the request, okay. on that specific um, stat. Okay? Alright, I'm ready. So, the first one is frequency of shots at the rim and you have to give me the least, the, the, the bottom three. The bottom three. Uh, Josh Eustis? Nope. No? Oh my lord. Nope. Uh, Carmelo Anthony? Yes! Carmelo Anthony takes uh, 14% of his shots at the rim, oh, man. which is good for the second percentile among wings. <laughs> oh, well, man. Technically, forwards, uh, the category mm-hmm. of cleaning the glass is player that plays usually uh, both uh, the three and the four spots, but mostly the four. Okay. Uh, yeah. Alex, Sabrinas? Uh, it's tied with, with the third one, but since he, he plays a role that say has uh, a lower uh, amount of uh, shots at the rim by 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 average mm-hmm. i put him uh, as the fourth okay. so no ferguson 
Ferguson, no, 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 no. Uh, well, Ferguson, it's uh, Thai, but he's, he played like very, very few um, minutes. Uh, so I didn't include him. Oh, no, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. He's Thai with Melo, 14%. Yes, okay. Sorry. Okay. Um, you hmm. need the, the third one. Hmm. Patterson? Yes. Okay. 18%. And he's awful around the rim yeah. this year. Just <laughs> yeah, abysmal. You, yeah, I can give you the the, the, the number. He's shooting 54%. Oh. Good for a third percentile. <laughs> third percentile, yeah. Oh That's so bad. Yeah. Uh, next top three. Uh, mid-range efficiency. Top three this time. Okay, top three in mid-range efficiency. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, Ray Felton. Yes, second, 43. Oh, boy. Mello? Yes, third, 42%. Oh, man. Um, Russell? No. No, no, no. no he's been bad. Yeah. Uh, Russell is at 37. Oh. Paul? Nope. No? No, no, no. Nope. It's 38, 35%. Oh, boy. So who am I missing? Alex? Uh, again, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, Ferguson doesn't qualify because he really took like 10 shots. So okay. Okay. Um, Jeremy? He's our boy. No, no, no. He's our boy. We should explode there all, the, all day long. Oh, Steve. Yeah. 49%. Ooh. Which is elite. 84th percentile. So what qualifies as, as a mid-range in this category? Well, uh, I think, well, he shoots most of these uh, ones as a short mid-rangers. So outside yeah. the area. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he and he's stepped out even further. Yeah. You know, as the season's gone on and it hadn't seemed to hurt his efficiency at all. Yeah, no, uh, not much. It is just one of four uh, in long mid-ranges, um, like very long ones, including that though, that um, free throw line jumper. Uh, yeah. That he made. Uh, but yeah, so Steve is uh, the very best, and he he's very very efficient. Yeah, he's they they, they need to find ways to continue to go to him because as the games go along, you see less and less of Stephen Adams, and you know. I think that there's like probably something along the lines of let's let's feed Adams early, let's get him engaged, and that way he can play defense the rest of the game. But if he's scoring that effectively, like this isn't Kendrick Perkins, so you're not giving Perk like that one post oh, touch no. to keep him engaged. Like you're talking about like a really good offensive player. Like yeah. they just need to find ways to continue to go to him. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you if you take one of the uh, cleaning the glass stats that has. Uh, point per shot attempts um steven adams is first by far mm-hmm. uh, in the team uh at one um 127.7 which is 10 points more than paul george who comes second <laughs> yeah for a, for a center is natural uh the percentile is actually the same 83rd mm-hmm. but um but still, it means you have an elite center uh, that you can feed off uh, as much as you can, as much as you want, and you really need to to find him. Mm. Are you ready for the third one? This is <laughs> this is what, what um, 
made me laugh the most. Uh, yes. Defensive rebounds on free throws. So the percentage <laughs> of team uh, rebounds on free throws. Uh, Who's Ru- the first one? Russell. Yes, guess the percentage, though. <laughs> She's hilarious. Oh, 50%? 53.3%. <laughs> Do you know the percentage of Andre Drummond? Oh, for I a reference? I don't know. Tell me. 54. Oh, wow. Okay. Give me the second one on OKC. Oh, man. It's easy. Steven? No. Oh, no. Mellow. Mellow, yes. Yeah. 28.3. The third one. The third one. Uh, Jeremy? Yes. 19.7. Okay. <laughs> Guess now that you that you successfully find the three guys. Guess the percentage of Steven. Twelve uh, percent. No, no, no. Wait, way below. No, no, no. Really, way below. Really, like two percent. Two point four percent. Whoa! Wow! It's the first percentile. Like, just... As I said before, Drummond is at fifty four. Percent. Wow. Steven Adams, I double, triple, and I, I check like eight or nine time, <laughs> times. Steven is at 2.4. He just doesn't rebound. No. <laughs> Free throws. No. Oh, that is amazing. I, like the top uh, rebound guys uh, in the league, Drummond, Jordan, Cousins, and Towns, are all around 50%. Oh, uh, wow. If not more. Yeah, so Adams is basically. Um, if you think that OKC is missing five, uh, the opponents of OKC are missing 5.2 free throws a game, it means that if he if he was to to take 50 percent of those, yeah, you are you are speaking about a, a solid double double season for Steven. Yeah, that is. But we we already knew that. But still, yeah. it's yeah. actually interesting to see the number. Like he is the the center that takes the least free throws. <laughs> rebound that is insane yeah ready for the second part it will be much quicker yeah uh the second part is called am i worse than my opponents and i gave you a statistic and our champions and you have to tell me if he is the worst of the pack or not okay okay so three point percentage our champion is, of course, Andrew Robertson, uh, with 22.9% from three. <laughs> the other candidates for from the teams that we are going to face during the week are TJ Warren, Wesley uh, from, from Phoenix, Wesley Iwundu, mm-hmm. uh, Dwight Powell, and Zach Collins. Oh, wow. Is yeah. Rob's the worst? Yeah, I think he is. No, he actually isn't. <laughs> Guess who's, who's worse than him? Is it TJ Warren? It's TJ Warren at 21% from three. Ooh. According to Cleaning the Glass. A- again, Cleaning the Glass takes into account the fact that um, the garbage time doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I, I, I just took those stats because I like them. Uh, yeah, 21 for, for Warren, 24 for Ibundu. Powell and Collins are both shooting 28%. Oh. So, second category, point per shot attempt. So the number of points you, sh- you, you, you score uh, when you either make a basket or you're getting fouled. So it counts all the shooting possessions. Okay? Okay. So our, champions is, our champion is uh, Josh Eustis. And the other guys are uh, Zach Collins, um, 
Dennis Smith Jr. Hmm. Uh, from Dallas, um, Tyler Ulysses, and Jonathan Isaac. Is just Ulysses just Ulysses the worst? Oh man, who who's the one before Jonathan Isaac? Um, Tyler Ulysses. Oh, Tyler Ulysses. Oh, I feel like he has to be the worst. He is the worst. Eighty-four point two points per hundred shooting attempts. Oh wow, that it's, is that is bad. It's dread, dreadful. <laughs> like Tyler Ulysses comes close at eighty-nine point three. Oh, but yeah, but it was surprising that Dennis Smith Jr. is at ninety-two point nine. Oh, really? Yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. It's bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's bad for a. Uh, scoring first point guard. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the last category that I have here is turnover percentage. Okay. And our champions is, uh, again, Andre Robertson. Hmm. Um, the the other ones are Bismarck Biombo, okay. um, Ed Davis from Portland, uh, Tyson Chandler, and Nurse Noel. So is Andre Robertson the worst of the pack? Oh man, I feel like it's Nerlens. I feel like it's not Rob Robertson. Great, but you're doing great. Nurse uh, <laughs> Nurse is the first with 22 percent of his possession ending in a turnover, Whoa. which is <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that's embarrassing. Yeah, but Chandler uh, comes really close at 21.2, oh, Beyond really? both 19.7, and Ed Davis. Um, 17%. Hmm. Andrew Robertson is way below at 15.2. Uh, on one end, you say, well, he's much lower than that, but he's not the center, and the turnover percentage is usually um, uh, a category that um, penalizes centers. So, right. And they don't get as many touches as exactly, guards. Yeah. Exactly. That is uh, crucial. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, you did great, actually. You, you you nail it. I'm just like all I'm, of them. I'm a good guesser. That's yeah. <laughs> this is my day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was the game. Uh, that was fun. Uh, okay. Do you have any predictions for this week before we go? Or do we even uh, need to do that? Do we need to jinx the thunder right now with our uh, terrible predictions? No. As I said, my my worst jinx uh, of the season came came from one of my uh, prediction, not in not in the pot, but like shortly after I said I commented on Melo's percentage, saying that he was shooting the best percentage of his life, mm-hmm. and we all know how how it went after that. So I'm not making predictions. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm not doing it. But the shall we of- shall we say the record that they should have after this week? That they not should what? have? No, that's yeah. too much of a jinx. I can't do okay. it. Luke will will get on me. Luke thinks that okay. I've, Luke thinks that I've jinxed the whole season, so I just can't. I can't really? do it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He we we actually got into a pretty heated argument about jinxing a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, yesterday I, I tell you the story, a short story. Yesterday I was at a, a local game here, uh, second division of Italy, um, and I, I I had dinner with one of the coaches of the game, the one that won. He was actually uh, cursing his daughter, but well, not cursing uh, his daughter because she was have, she she held uh, a violet um, pencil uh-huh. because violet is actually it's a jinx jinx like color. So violet okay. is not allowed. Purple or violet are not allowed in in, in his house. So <laughs> yeah, That's so funny. Yeah, so I mean, in sports, you know, jinxing is serious. Oh yeah, um, 
yeah, they, it's a big week for the Thunder, and I, I hope that they can get on track against these bad teams. You know, it, honestly, if they can't do it now, like that's pretty much it. Like this is this is like do or die time for beating bad teams for the Thunder. And you know, here's our last chance. But Kelly, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You should be following him. Always good stuff during the week and during Thunder games. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Down to Dunk. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Continue to leave us five star iTunes reviews. I know there's a lot of you that listen uh, every episode and you haven't done that yet. We appreciate those that have done that. It's been it's a big thing for us is to have those five star reviews and see those numbers go up. So we appreciate those that have done it and we appreciate those that will do that. You guys are great. We have the best listeners. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again. On Wednesday, uh, we'll have Alex Spears on again. Uh, be sure to support the people that support us. Eat some Andy's frozen custard today, and we'll talk to you guys again soon.